So on today's episode, we are talking with a PR expert. I love this because I feel like we have all been in spots in life where we've needed an explanation or a tactic for dealing with a really sticky situation we've been in. And Sarah is the lady to talk to about that. She has had incredibly high profile clients that she's worked with that she's frankly helped through probably the worst moments of their life. Um, she is uh, really inspirational the way she's built her career and the advice she has for people who not only are her clients, but like I said, people who are going through any uh, tough scenario in their life. And what would a PR expert do? What would they say? She's like, uh, she's like Olivia Pope, but way cooler. So uh, Sarah Brady, enjoy this interview. Yeah, I, um, I have an unusual role with these, with these cases that I work on. Uh, you know, I'm not a public information officer like for a municipality, although I do represent a municipality. But, you know, I'm coming in and working with people that aren't in the public forum. They're not accustomed to reporters and, and having uh, an onslaught of media. They're not accustomed to answering questions. They don't understand how all of that works. They don't understand why they're of interest in the first place. They're not thinking about what the public sees or uh, they're thinking about what mm. they're dealing with at the moment. So I come in and uh, take the emotion out of everything and help them navigate that. And if they want to speak, sometimes families do. Uh, and if they don't want to speak and, and make that happen for them. So to watch a f- uh, you know, somebody that I've been um, given the privilege, because it is a privilege to come in and help somebody at their worst moments, to watch them transition and find a way to move forward in a way that um, keeps them intact uh, and able to sort of embrace more love and to to feel like they're doing something that matters and is meaningful. Uh, For me, it's amazing. Um, so we're going to do a soft intro because I love what we've already been talking about. Guys, welcome back to the 30-something podcast. We have Sarah Brady from Sarah Brady Public Relations as the guest today um, to sort of backpedal a little bit. We've been talking, we were talking off mic about some of her higher profile clients, um, some people that she's worked with in stories that you may have seen on the news. Um we are currently in the Central Florida area taping this, so a lot of Sarah's clients are in this area. And and, and we were discussing um, the first um, sort of snippet you heard there. Um, Sarah's working with a family who went through um, what could easily be described as um, the most shocking news story that I ever covered when I was working as a news anchor here in Central Florida. And one of the most difficult things to report, um, a boy on a Disney property, he was two and a half years old, uh, lost his life on a hotel property um, in a gator uh, attack, what is essentially what it was. I remember anchoring that night and the story coming down. And I don't want to make this about me or anyone else in the media because ultimately it's, it's a story of it's this family story of tragedy. And as we just heard sort of, um, personal growth, I guess as well. But I do remember thinking this, this can't be real. It was that intense of a reaction. And every person who read it or saw it on the news after that seemed to respond in a similar way. Um, you deal with people, you work with people, clients who are at their worst, Sarah, how do you, how do you do it? Well, that's a really good question, because I don't think there's any particular way to do it other than to know that you're coming in, they're not, uh, they're in unfamiliar circumstances, they're either grieving or, or in shock uh, for a variety of reasons. It could be 
somebody losing their job in a high-profile set of circumstances, um, you know, but it's, it's usually something really bad. And so I come in and I, um, I listen. It's the number one thing is I come in and listen to them and find out, try to learn who they are, find out what happened, let them tell me where they are in, in that time period, and figure out a way to help them move forward in, in, and get what needs to be done, done. Yeah, let, let's, let's sort of simplify that. For someone who doesn't understand how a public relations person could come in, like what, and, and help in a circumstance like that, for example, what exactly are you being asked to do? Do interviews with media? Are you being asked to, in this case, I know you helped to set up a foundation, a, a charitable group that going forward is going to do some good work, but like, how do you fit into the puzzle? Well, it depends. Uh, you know, sometimes it's just helping somebody manage media in, in the moment. Uh, they might not have a communications person on their staff or they're not familiar with it, not experienced with it. And with their intent being help me communicate the right way and say the right things and, and you know, give out the right information or withhold the you know, right information in a, in a proper way. Um, help me with news media so that I don't offend them um, or go ahead and offend the news media, which I'm not inclined to do. But sure. um, So sometimes it's just managing those messaging. Um, much of the time, though, in these big cases, uh, like Pulse Nightclub or the uh, Plaza Life Theater and this case that happened out at Disney, they all happened in the same week. Uh, and, and I had the same responsibility is to help each uh, victim in each case um, try to get through what they need to get through and, and represent them with the mm-hmm. news media, keep news media away from them in, you know, individually, you know, sure. literally from coming to, you know, we've talked about it before, but coming to Barbara Poma's home. Um, and, you know, and mention who that is. So our, our she's listeners, the owner, she's the owner of Pulse nightclub. Pulse nightclub. And, and just to bring our listeners back um, in Orlando in June of 2016, mm-hmm. uh, a shooter came in, opened fire, uh, mass casualties. It was a horrific, horrific story. And uh, certainly everybody I'm sure has seen news coverage of it you were working with the victims families in this case no i I worked with the owner the owner okay Mm -hmm. the owner of the nightclub so people were this is interesting too because i'm coming from a media background so you just mentioned your your job there was to keep us on the news media from literally banging on her door Mm -hmm. i say that in a sort of colloquial way we weren't actually hopefully in in a disrespectful way approaching her but what exactly was she getting from you were you physically present at the home and handling the interviews for her for example yes you were okay they called me at uh her husband called me at i think 10 30 on sunday morning i was i happened to be at my office because i was moving my office and uh, and i'd already been working on the plaza live thing so it was kind of a busy weekend so he called me and said barbara was coming in from mexico they had gotten my name from an attorney that i had worked with before who also was their neighbor he says can you come and help us and i said yes so i they, they don't live far from me, um, so I scooted over there around 3 o'clock. Barbara had just come in from Mexico where she had been on vacation with her daughter. And this after, right after the shooting happened? Mm-hmm. It's just like 12 or 15 hours right wow. after it. And so what were you seeing when you arrived? Was the media already there, and what were you doing to sort of put the buffer in between? No media at their house yet, but uh, I don't think they knew where she lived. She lives in a gated community, so they really couldn't, want, although one reporter did get to her front door. Uh, but um, the house was filled with family. Uh, their lawyer was there, uh, and neighbors, people, uh, uh, an immediate support system was there. And then as the day progressed, kids that had been in the club, her staff, came over. Those kids that got out of the club that night um, 
came over to the house. And she because she a, was she was close with, um, from what I understand, with the people who work there, and mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was sort of like a family operation. She's a mom. She said, you know, they're all her kids. Right. Uh, she's very very maternal. So yes, uh, and they're all young. They were in their twenties, and you know, young kids working at a at a club, and you know, all nice kids too. And uh, and I think it, it she provided a safe haven. And you know, she's she's in shock. Uh, I had not met them before. I did not know them before, so I didn't know what to expect, didn't know what she would be like, and but clearly uh, in shock, but functioning. And they told me that when she were, her sister was with her and we were sitting at their dining room table, and when she got off the plane, her phone started ringing, and national media is calling her, trying to talk to her, and she still doesn't even know what happened yet. Uh, so... My job is to take those calls and to redirect media. I'll, I'll talk to you. I'll let you know what we can tell you, if anything. And, mm-hmm. and at that initial phase, usually it's not a whole lot. Sure. And do you have to play counselor a little bit, too? Because you're dealing with a client, in this case, who was, uh, who was traumatized in her own right. Mm-hmm. So do you, do you have um, to have that sort of edge to it, too, where you well, feel like you're caring for them in a way? Yeah, I, I think I, I will tell you, um, and I've had interesting conversations with Barbara. We've become close friends. I love her. Um, I said to her, I think on the second day, she hadn't had any sleep. She's just overwhelmed, can't get to her club, can't get any information. And, and maybe it was the third or fourth day. And I said, I promise you that at some point this will stop. And you'll go back to some normalcy, but this this will this will go away. But you have a really long way to go. I don't want to set up false expectations, but this you have at at least a year of this, you know, intensity and public interest. Your right. your life will never be the same. So I mean, I start setting that up at the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, and and it's true. And when uh, the day of the verdict for the widow. Uh, in the federal trial, I was with her, and she said to me, "You, I remember you telling me that someday this would be over. Is this the time?" And I said, "Yeah, pretty much." And so now she's on a more positive track that she can focus on, and that's building this museum and a memorial. And so, so she remembered what I said to her, which yeah. in, which I was surprised at because she'll tell you someday she doesn't remember much of those first few days. Oh my gosh. I'm and, and probably with so many crisis clients that you manage, it's probably the case. Like just utter blackout. You're probably on survival mode. Mm-hmm. I think people hear PR now. I'm not a big fan of, I, I actually have never seen it. So I shouldn't say I'm not a fan, but I've never seen the show scandal. Olivia, <gasps> Olivia Pope. I know. Right. So, but I know there's this very glamorized, um, perception right of pr it's this woman in a power suit and walking into the room and slamming her case file down on the conference table and let's you know let's manage this um how closely does your day-to-day job sort of align with the media's idea um well sometimes it's close the from a a management level and an intensity and a stress level uh because uh, um you're you know you were on the media side i don't think reporters understand what the others, what the um, yes. you know the people involved in the story the, the actual story people are yeah. going through yeah we're trained to just go after answers right in media right. and I love that we can have this discussion because this is really enlightening for me too but we're trained to you know you mentioned reporters knocking on doors mm-hmm. we're trained in a respectful way of course but to get the answers and if that means wiggling your way into a gated community you do it mm-hmm. because you might be the one to get that interview and you feel like, um, as a journalist sometimes that you're, um, you know, you're not doing it 
at least if you're a good journalist, for a, a sensational headline, you're doing it because you feel uh, compelled to get that information out there. But the line is blurry. And, you know, you have so many competing forces, you know, and we were we would have been on opposite ends of this, but you have so many competing forces in a story like that. And the media is one of them. So you've probably seen some like knockdown drag out fights, I'm sure, between media and clients. <laughs> Not knockdown drag up, but I've had I've definitely had a dust up or two. Right. And uh, and sometimes it is the reporters trying they they kind of put themselves they they become part of the story. But um, but when when somebody's going through this and I use Barbara as an example because she's just somebody that was running a successful business. She's getting off the plane after this this uh, tragedy happens and all of a sudden her phone is it doesn't stop ringing. Um, we put my phone number on her website, so then my phone, my phone's already ringing from the shooting from two days before, and then taking these calls. And the calls that she got were not just from media, which was voluminous, but also uh, people wanting to help her um, from around the world, and people that you know don't like gays uh, and calling. So some of the crazies, and I field all Jeez. of those. So what do you tell someone like that, by the way, besides, I mean, you probably just want to hang up on them because they're probably spewing right. some hateful language. But mm-hmm. What do you even say? Um, we just thank them for calling and, and, and hang up. Yeah. Wow. And just thank you for that. But, but I, I know one guy called and I literally was standing in Barbara's kitchen and it was the first night and I'm watching these kids coming in, hearing how they got out of the club. And so seeing them, and then this guy calls up, and he's from some crazy little podunk church, and he blathers away about this is what the gays get, they deserve it, it's God's will. And I said, and what church are you from? And he told me again, and I wrote it down, and I said, well, thank you so much. We will not be attending your service. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, so you know what, I, Sarah? You are yeah. a stronger woman than I. I mean, <laughs> to not respond to hate with hate would be difficult. Mm-hmm. But that's like sort of the name of the game for you, mm-hmm. I guess. You're like, you do have a very calming presence, I have to say, sitting next to you. you it must be a trait you were born with, and probably why you're good at your job, you have a sense of peace about you. You know, it's a really interesting thing. I, I don't know where I where I got this uh, <laughs> skill set. Uh, but I will tell you, I told this story to somebody the other day, and it was a little moment of epiphany for me. I must have been about 13 years old, and my mother sewed. She had a sewing machine in our house, loved to sew. I didn't like it at all. And I had to take a home ec class. And I was sewing, I can tell you the dress, it was a navy blue dress, and I was sewing a dart. I don't know why they call them darts, but, and I was sewing it, and the needle went through my thumb. I know. Awful. Oh, my gosh. And I just looked at the machine. I did not yell. And my mother was sitting behind me and uh, across the room. I didn't say a word. I just went, ow. And she said, what? And I said, stay back. Stay right there. And I turned the dial on the machine, and the needle came out. Right. And it, it lifts slow. the needle. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but to, to pull it right out. My thumb was attached to that dress. Oh. And after I, after I got the needle out, I told her i was totally calm oh my god I, I must have been 13 or 14 so i that's of, clearly a born-in personality trait I right guess, yeah it's like I it's guess. preternatural calmness i guess I, but now if you saw my computer you know something going wrong with my computer it was a whole different personality. <laughs> that's, right, that's right any technology problem yeah. like everybody ends up in the same boat mm-hmm. um tell talk to me about I, I know you have a podcast too it's called stop talking which mm-hmm. is hysterical i feel like um, there's some good advice to be taken away from your line of work. We, even as regular people, get into a bind. And sometimes the first thing we want to do is just explain it away and like motor mouth. <laughs> and sometimes we're doing so much more damage to ourselves than we are help. Uh, why did you Why did you pick that? And like, what's, is that, I guess, like the cornerstone of advice you have for people going through crazy times? 
Yeah, I think that's a good way to describe it, I guess. I even have these little business cards that I printed up. They're just, I got them at, you know, Office Depot. And right. said, stop talking. <laughs> so when a client is doing, a, particularly on camera, I'm behind the camera. Yeah. So I hold it up so they can see it to know you need to, you know, stop. You need um, to just shut it. Yeah. Shut up. Because, because people, it's like you say, people, they they feel like they can explain it mm-hmm. and, and everyone will understand it. And they get themselves into a bigger hole. And, you know, as a journalist they're going to say something that is going to get your interest and take you possibly down a different road that I might not want them to go. Sure. So my job is to keep them to stay on these key points. This is all you need to talk about. Mm -hmm. This is all they care about. And, you know, so stop talking. Yeah. I remember that being so frustrating. We would come back to the station and, you know, some, some big case and they'd be like, well, what'd you get? What kind of bites, you know, sound bites did you get? And, you know, we're like, all they would say is, you know, they're reading off a paper and it's so frustrating because, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to get just that one spark that right. leads them down the path down to, you know, right. some other territory. So what's a, what's a, what's a high profile case that you've seen handled well from a PR perspective lately? There's obviously scandal upon scandal upon big news story every day. So can you think of anything or does something come to mind that was really handled well from your perspective? Um, well, some have started out. Well, I, I'll tell you, I, I, I remember this moment. You'll laugh when you hear which one I'm going to use it as an example. But um, when uh, SeaWorld had their accident with their trainer, they did a press conference the next day. And I thought it was so well done because the CEO came out. They put it down underneath the whale pen, and you can see these whales swimming around. They look like, I always describe them as they look like little puppies. And they're bumping against the glass, and they're affectionate. And the CEO is talking about the family at SeaWorld. And I, I felt like that was effective, that you could see that their hearts were broken. And they, they had social media that they handled really well. They started out really, really strong and smart. And then it collapsed. What did they do wrong beyond that? Because this is the story, too, about um, the, the whale. He dragged the trainers, a trainer underwater with her by her ponytail, we came mm-hmm. to find out, and, and essentially drowned her. Mm-hmm. So what, where did they go wrong? I do remember that press conference too. Mm-hmm. What, what did they do bad after that? I think that? they, they kind of sort of locked down and stopped sharing information, acknowledging, I'm sure the legal counsel said, stop talking about, again, stop talking, uh, <laughs> you know, let's no more. And then they started kind of weaving and bobbing and, uh, everything, everything after that. Then they, I think they, when the film came out, uh, black, black fin, Blackfish, mm-hmm. whatever it was called. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they were in denial. They they uh, they behaved as if they were in denial. Like that film isn't going to hurt us. It's not going to get any attention. It's going to go away. And I think they should have been proactive ahead of time and and responded before the film came out and started, you know, combating it in advance. Well, that's interesting. So for I guess that advice might be applicable like across a lot of platforms too. If you know something bad is going to come out about your company per se, say you're a business owner and you know something that's going to come out that is painting your your industry in, in a negative way. I'm trying to think of an example but can't off the top of my head. Is it smart to come out on top of that and um, you don't want to say anything about the bad press you know is coming because then it's giving it attention. So you also want to deal with it. So what's the balance we strike there? It, it really depends. It just depends on the circumstances. But one example is yesterday when Google had the walkout. They had employees around yes. the world walk out, which was mind-blowing. And I have to say, I read the stories about them having these allegations of sexual harassment and giving these remarkably large packages to, I think there were two executives. Mm-hmm. One got like a $90 million severance package. And so employees decided to 
you know, show how they felt about it. Google responded and said, we are aware, we knew that this workout, that this walkout was going to happen. We support the walkout. They were, they did not fight it. They didn't deny that they hadn't handled it well. Uh, and I think, so I think I saw the CEO on an interview saying, look, we know we've made mistakes and we have to fix those. That's a really good start. So I think they didn't run away from it. I think once you start running away from these issues and acting like they don't exist, that right there is a, a huge problem. So whether you want to come out in advance and say, our employees are going to walk out tomorrow, we're mm-hmm. aware of it, and we support it, that actually would have probably been a good thing to do. Right, right, because then you're ahead of the news cycle in mm-hmm. that case. Say, look, we own, we own, we're owning this error. Okay, so let's run through a couple of circumstances. I thought it might be interesting to like get your take, kind of like a... 101 on a PR 101 on some Uh-oh. typical sort of circumstances we say uh, we see play out sort of in the news. So say you have a client who, well, a soon to be client, a politician who comes to you and says, Sarah, I made a huge mistake two years ago, had an affair. I'm running for office. Obviously, this is a hugely contested election in so many districts. This is about to come out like a week before the election. What in the world do I do? What do you tell this guy or girl? Well, first of all, I hate those kinds of cases. <laughs> Why? Because you have to talk to them about their romantic life. Yeah. You have to find out the truth. Uh, Is it depressing? Them. Are you saying that you're like finding things out it's about uncomfortable? I don't yeah. really want to hear about that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Do you hear like like down and dirty things? Like, do I they have. really really? Ooh, tell us. Like, don't tell names, but can you tell us some like crazy freaky things that you found out? I've had I've had clients tell me some terrible things that they've done. Absolutely, and. I have to say, sometimes I'm horrified. And, and sometimes I just say to the client, okay, I'm just, just allow me a moment. I'm sort of horrified by wow. your decision making. Like, what was it that was horrifying? It wasn't anything illegal, let's just put it. No. no. I, but no, was, what, no. what were they doing? Like, just, you know, I mean, usually some sort of sexcapades, I guess, would probably yeah. be the best way to describe it. Okay. Yeah, just okay. sort of running around and. These politicians. Yeah. And, and I would. I will tell you, I have a couple of rules. I don't, t- I don't do a lot of political work, which is interesting. Nice. Yeah, um, not really my world. Uh, <laughs> I have friends who are uh, politicians who are fabulous, and I would help them anytime. Sure, they, they know I'm around. Um, the uh, but I don't take uh, people that are accused of uh, rape or yeah. child molestation, any kind of uh, bad behavior on children. I, I would never. Never. Take. That's indefensible. I mean, mm-hmm. let's just not even. Mm-hmm. Pretend that's not beat around the bush. Well, what would you tell a guy then who came to you and say it was just a run of the mill affair mm-hmm. and it was a, a male client? What would you say? Um, I'd probably just say, let's just take a look at it and let's think about whether to come forward with it. I would ask him, do you really want to go through this? Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to, everything that you do is going to become public. And go through you, the election, you mean? Yeah, like, if you want to actually go run the process, for understand how your life will change and understand it's very hard to describe what it feels like when media. <laughs> that that you know tsunami media of media show up yeah it really is it's uh, it's just indescribable and that's why i was saying is you guys don't know what my clients are going through at the time there it's one call after the other it's they can't move here they can't move there i will tell you that um you know when the graves went back to omaha they couldn't get into their home for oh a couple gosh. of days because media was parked outside their house that's just sad well it's awful because that's their home that's their sanctuary and and they there there should be i don't believe media has any right to to stake out like that and prevent somebody from moving forward and you know yeah. get, when someone has lost home. a child I, yeah i mean that's mm-hmm. that's a giant ethical issue we in my it, opinion well we had it with the uh, you know the brother of the las vegas shooter mm-hmm. is here and 
I represented his family, and he kept coming out and talking to the media that were all I remember. Parked mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, you know, first day, okay, he's just trying to be helpful. He's in shock. It's his brother. And uh, and then day two, okay, well, then it becomes an issue because media, everybody was out in his on his street. He's trying to be helpful, and he thinks he's got something to say. And, right. And, I think he stop got, talking, bro. Right. Did you, <laughs> he just. I became, hope you flashed a card. Well, he just was exhausted, and and his mindset. You know, nobody's in their right mind when they're going through this kind of thing. They're in shock, and so I had to talk to. I had to call these reporters and say, "Can you guys leave?" Well, he keeps coming out, and I said, "He's coming out because you're there. Right. He won't come out if you leave. He's got nothing more to tell you." Well, he keeps telling us you know, this and that, like, but it's not new. He has no new, he hasn't had new information for four or five days. Right. If you leave and I said, you're starting to impact his health. Right. So if you would go, if something comes up, he'll call you. He really will. I'm not stopping him from doing that. And so they finally left, but I had to, you know, I'll call your producer. I'll call your producer. No, no, we'll take care of it. And then they left. Yeah. I mean, you know, when producers want answers, they want answers. I know, and I speaking you know, from a former reporter yeah. or as a former reporter. But well, yeah, so I'm, an, I'm a former newspaper so reporter. You get it. Yeah, you we get didn't ever. Like, we don't. We don't really ever. We don't function that way, right? I and know. we don't. And I think maybe that's changed because mm-hmm. of the 24-hour news cycle and sure. competing with the digital platforms. But it, it, back in my day, we didn't do that. <sighs> it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's move on to scenario two. Mm-hmm. Me too has been everywhere. The Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. Um, Say so you have a client female comes to you and says, Sarah, I worked for this giant company and I have been hiding um, an instance of sexual harassment that happened to me from the CEO um, for two years now. But I can't, it was huge and I can't hold back anymore. What is your first bit of advice that you give to her? Get a lawyer. Get a lawyer. Mm-hmm. I work and with, you work with a lawyer. The and then all how do you the craft, what, 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 what would her statement look like then? So, so you have to come out and now the news media is covering this and they're going to say, um, you know, we want to hear from her. We want to hear her story. What do you advise her to say and not to say? And, and, and how many details do you give? Well, I, I think that it, again, there's no, no case is the same. Every single one is different. So it's, it sort of depends. It depends on if hers is more of a workplace issue versus a criminal act, uh, which is why you need a lawyer. Does she have a, a legitimate legal claim you know, through civil courts, or is there criminal behavior that needs to be looked at? And, and that potential is a whole different... It, a whole different animal. So it really kind of depends on all of those details. But I think Gloria Allred is one example. She brings everybody out. I was going to say, do you, is she like a yes or a no in your book as far as how she blends her um, legal expertise with the PR aspect? I mean, you know, I, I've kind of always been on the bubble about her. I would say that sometimes I think it's too much and she overdoes. I will tell you, I think it was, which was the one, um, her daughter, her daughter represented somebody, and they came out, and it was a Me Too thing, and it and it sort of collapsed. It wasn't handled right. Mm. It was, uh, gosh, who was that? And now I don't have to, I have to Google it because I don't remember who the celebrity was. But I just I remember watching it, thinking, "Oh my God, this is awful! You need to stop this. This poor woman, um, you know, poorly represented. It was against Harvey Weinstein." Um, but I but I I watched the documentary on Gloria Allred, 
she's the real deal. She, this is real for her. This isn't just, this isn't just about fame or money. This is, she really believes in helping women. That has been her entire legal career. So when I saw that she's been a victim of harassment and I think sexual battery and, and so she, she, she does it because she really believes in it and she's effective. Look what happened with the Bill Cosby case. Yeah. I mean, and that's a case of someone that you look at and you think, oh gosh, this guy's never, he's never coming down. I mean, he's on a platform, he's on a pedestal Mm -hmm. and he came crashing down. Mm-hmm. He's in prison. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't get any such worse. a shocking moment to see him handcuffed being escorted by law enforcement and put in a police car and taken to prison. It means he was searched at prison. He's wearing prison garb. He's in a cell. That's Bill Cosby. And that's Gloria Allred that, you know, kind of drove that train. Yeah. I mean, for anybody who, who thinks their words these days don't have immediate impact, when allegations are being taken more seriously than ever. I mean, this is why your job is important because this, if you don't stop talking sometimes, you know, it, it can cut either way. You can really, really ruin someone's life, mm-hmm. justifiably in this case, or you can really ruin your own. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would... That's well, that's the beauty of what you do, though. You guide people in the right way. It's why it's why it's important to get a lawyer. I I actually love lawyers. I work with them all. I went to law school. My, my I married to a lawyer. They're all right. They're hard to argue with. They are. They are. They are. And I put up a good fight, though. I'm learning are. from him. <laughs> but I mean, you know, sometimes their you know their goals are different than my goals, and and you know, I always talk about it's the court of law and the court of public opinion. Right. And what I think sometimes what lawyers don't take into account is the, pu- the court of public opinion doesn't doesn't have any rules mm. and it really matters in the long term because you're talking about somebody's reputation and their credibility. The court of law is going to take care of itself. They're either going to get a charge, they're going to pay a fine, they're going to go to jail, whatever that is. But if they're uh, but when the with the court of public opinion, uh, they may never work again. And that's what's happened in this me too mm-hmm. thing. If you look at um, uh, CK, was it Louis CK? Louis CK, you yeah. Know, he, he tried to come back. Sure. And, and he came back though and he was making some pretty bad jokes for someone accused of like sexual assault. I think he came back and in his first set he had a joke about rape and it was like, no. Well, it wasn't a joke about rape. If you go back and read what he was saying, yeah, what did he it say? Was somebody else had made the comment, okay. and I think he was actually responding and and providing context. But and I if think you worked with might... him, you would say keep the word rape out of your set, please. Yes, yes absolutely. Not, but like, I don't think it was something that was included right. in his act. Okay. Oh, yeah, okay. that's what I think. Okay. I think it was. I think he was responding to something. Oh, jeez. So, yeah. But I mean, the, the, that's the. But that's the trick. And you're that... right. When the public rules, I mean, you're out. Mm-hmm. It, it's difficult to come back, mm-hmm. if ever. Have you ever seen anyone make a comeback? Speaking of that, like whether it be a celebrity or a political figure. Oh gosh, now I think this. I mean, the, Bill Clinton. Hello, the biggest comeback in the history of comebacks. People adore him. He mm-hmm. was accused of horrific things, mm-hmm. but he has gotten a pass from a PR perspective. Mm-hmm. How does that happen? I, I, he's hard to explain, but it, there's something about the Clintons that is just sort of magical for them. Uh, they have a they have a huge following. People love, I think, their ideals. Um, and love what they stand for from a political right. and social perspective. But I will tell you, I've seen him up front, mm-hmm. uh, up close and personal. He's very charismatic. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, of course, of um, similar allegations made against our current president, President Trump. Um, people always harken back to Bill Clinton and the things that he was either accused of or you know, directly associated with, and they always come up with different results. And I, I have to say, I have to ask you, I mean, is it charisma that wins? And I'm not, I'm not taking this lightly, by the way. So for anyone, I'm not laughing because I think these allegations are anything but incredibly serious and should be taken thoughtfully in every way. Um, but like you said, 
one guy's coming out the top of the pile in this discussion and the other guy is not. And the only difference that I can come up with is one is can tell a great joke and has charisma for days. I think they're both on the top of the pile. I think Donald Trump is successful. First of all, he got elected. He, you know, we don't, we're waiting for midterms to see how those turn out. He is stumping across the country right now, which is what he's going to be doing these last few days. What I think is interesting is his style, his bombastic style, his team, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who is, in my opinion, never truthful. Uh, I don't think Mr. Trump is truthful. It still works for him because he's hitting a a nerve with a, a demographic in this country that feels that they've been ignored. So that he knows how to speak to them. So he's a great communicator in that sense. It's not, I think the majority of us in this country are um, bothered by it, uh, but there is a strong portion of this country that feels like he connects with them, and they to the point where they ignore all of these other things. And it's probably because with Clinton, Democrats, liberals overlooked Bill Clinton's behavior. So it's it's sort of the same things. Well, you all ignored right. Bill Clinton, and right. you let him, you know, you let him go on and you know, Hillary Clinton was successful. Everybody ignored right. and overlooked their bad behavior. Right. So it kind of just depends on whose ox is being gored. But I think what Trump is doing is so unique uh, and painful to watch, <laughs> but it's unique. And when you see others, you can see others trying to use those same tactics. That's exactly what happened with um, Brett Kavanaugh when he did his interview on Fox, which was quiet and sort of uh, gentlemanly uh, and trying to defend himself. And then the president didn't like what he did and didn't think it was effective. So next you see when he came out and testified, you saw a completely different Brett Kavanaugh. And that was pure Trump. Then you see Lindsey Graham. Then you see um, Charles Grassley. All of these guys are all mimicking And I don't think it works for them, but it does work for President Trump. Oh, gosh, it's fascinating, really, because and I can see why you don't want to be in politics, because there's so many layers to like what sort of um, defines like a successful PR moment that it's probably just like overwhelming. But it is interesting because we're living in a day and age where theatrics matter more than they really ever have in politics because we have access to 24-7 footage of our people, you know, our leaders. And so um, it's a good point. You can pull out the best or the worst in our leaders, and you can find a way to justify just about anything. I think the thing with politics that I try to that I do stay out of, and I have friends that I support, and, and I try to be really careful about it because I don't want to get in that so much, but um, it's the truth is frequently missing. They're about like on position. both sides. You're saying, oh yeah, yeah abso- absolutely. Oh absolutely, yeah. Right. Both, both, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I'm an NPA. I'm not registered to any party because I can't. I don't want to be affiliated with them. Um, <laughs> but and that's hard for me because one of my strengths, probably the greatest, what I'm most proud of and and um, adhere to is the facts. I don't lie to media. And I might tell them, we're not talking to you. They're not available. That's, that's not a lie. Uh, and, and I'm setting your expectation that, you know, stop asking because they're not going to come out. Um, but I will, and if we don't have information, I'll say, I don't have that information. Or we're simply not going to provide it. I don't want to lie. Uh, because at the end of the day, I don't have any credibility. And for me, uh, then I can't represent my clients. And I can't be taken seriously by news media. And that matters to me. I know that you're going to be there and reporting. I want you to report it. Uh, but I want you to get it right, and I don't want my 
clients to be compromised and be put in a position where they could be or they're misrepresented or that they just don't, they're just uncomfortable. So it's an interesting, so that's why I stay out of the political part of it because I think so much, you can't really manage the facts that well. Right. When you can't win either. I mean, when, like you said, and you're going to be working with clients, I'm sure who've fallen both sides of the aisle. So Mm -hmm. you don't want to alienate anyone or, or further complicate what's already a pretty a pretty crowded stage let's say these days I feel bad when people are going through I I think people I, what I've uh, in the years that I've done this one thing for me is what I've learned is people make mistakes and sometimes they make really big ones and they hurt others and sometimes it's intentional sometimes it's it's unintentional but most of the time people once they've made that mistake and they accept it. They see they, they, they're struggling. I feel bad for them. They want to make it right. They want to get out of this. Uh, so I, I am probably, I'm really forgiving about people doing things and saying things and, um, and stirring the, you know, stirring the pot at all of those things. I'm a much more open-minded, forgiving person than I was probably 20 years ago. That's it. It's probably one unique thing you get from this job that you couldn't from anything else. A lot mm-hmm. of people have a job. They have to be sort of laser focused on being one way. So mm-hmm. that's one benefit to, uh, to having to see both sides of the story all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah, you are fascinating. I feel like I could literally talk to you for hours. Um, I, I do want to tell everyone how to follow you though. You have your own podcast. So I want to give you your chance to sort of plug that and tell us what you talk about there where we can find you, all that good stuff. So can you tell us? Well, uh, it's called Stop Talking, <laughs> and it's about crisis management. And it's it's on the uh, it's on SoundCloud and I think iTunes. I think it's on iTunes and Apple, you know, whatever. Wherever um, you get your podcasts, yeah. right? Um, the podcast thing is really fun because it's a nice conversation, which I think you probably have great appreciation for oh. because you get to talk. Finally, more than two minutes. Right, right. <laughs> so you're like, rap. Raps, exactly, right, and right. so uh, you know, if you watch uh, any other news program at night, that they have the same people on night after night, right. and and so I think the podcast is fun because it's a conversation about. We talk about crisis management. We talk about language. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had um, Carla Ray from Channel Nine come mm-hmm. on because she's beat me up with some of my clients and we're friends, and uh, you know, kind of her perspective and why she, you know, does what she does and how. Uh, we had Rick Brunson on last week for because he teaches journalism, and I think. I worry about the future of journalism and what are you teaching those youngsters? Let's talk about critical thinking. And so, um, so I, and, um, and we're going to kind of talk about, um, law enforcement and, and how they function because there are so many of these controversies. I work a lot with law enforcement. So we kind of find these things that are happening in current events Mm -hmm. that always kind of go back to communications Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and crisis or, or just, just kind of how to navigate an issue. Do you have like one final bit of advice you can bestow upon the listeners? Say we're going through something tough, something big is about to happen, but we don't want to have like foot in mouth syndrome later and regret something, anything like little nugget of advice we can keep mm-hmm. in the back of our minds, you know, take a deep breath and just breathe and, you know, get away from your computer because that's where the problems start. People start sending email. Uh, but really, it's just take a deep breath, surround yourself with people that you trust, uh, and then stop talking. I mean, I always say it. It's true. I, I love it. My husband would be happy that that would be your advice. <laughs> when we argue, he's like, okay, we're done. Stop talking. 
Sarah, you have been a joy. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I'm excited to hear this. This will be good. I love that you're doing this. Oh, it's so fun. It's fun Mm -hmm. for a a motor mouth like me. So, um, guys, I will link Sarah's info, including her website and information on her podcast on my site. Just go to sunnyabata.com. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the 30-something podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. As always, I would love to hear from you. Find me on Instagram at sunnyabata. That's S-O-N-N-I. A-B-A-T-T-A, or check out my website, sunnyabata.com. Hope to hear from you and see you soon.